Welcome to PeopleTech, the podcast of the HCM Technology Report. We are recording from HR Tech in Vegas, brought to you by our friends and partners at Fuel50. Here's your host, Mark Pfeffer. Welcome to PeopleTech, the podcast of the HCM Technology Report. I'm Mark Pfeffer, and recording again today at the Expo Hall of the HR Technology Conference and Exhibition, and talking with Robin Schooling. Robin, could you take a minute and introduce yourself? Sure. Hi, Mark. Um, so glad to be here. And uh, I uh, currently work for CLO um, in our consulting division, um, which is quite vast, actually. Um, but deep down, I still define myself as an HR practitioner. Uh, that's how I started. Uh, started in recruiting, went into HR, uh, back and forth between HR and recruiting, and um, that's how I view myself still. Good. Well, this is the first HR tech conference, I think, in three years. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of people, a lot of, a lot of exhibitors. When you walk around, what, what's your sense? What do you think people are talking about and what do you think people are concerned about? I think what's struck me is that we're kind of all about the basics this year. I don't see, I have not latched on to a lot of really, um, here's, a, here's an extremely cutting edge new way of viewing things. I, I think we're back to, the folks that I've stopped and talked to are kind of reinforcing their core, from a product standpoint, their core offering. Um, they've strengthened it. Um, so if, I, you know, if I'm looking at a payroll, uh, payroll provider, um, yeah, they've added things like, oh, may, you know, and they may be talking about, um, you know, on-demand pay or something like that. But it's almost like a, a, a doubling down on what the key offerings are, as opposed to everybody trying to be everything. Do you think that specialization is getting real momentum where people are going to start building narrower products and integrate wherever they can? I uh, I do think so. I, I I think that as time has gone on and we've we've learned that you know integrations um, and and you know back and forth uh, bilateral integrations and things like that that are easy enough to do. Really, um, I think that that I have run into more. HR professionals, some, some, you know, colleagues, peers that work in different industries that are much more in tune and much more comfortable with, let me get the best product for a certain need that I have. And I know I can make that talk to this other product that I have or my core system or my system of record. And that's been a bit of a change because there's there, that thinking of, well, let me buy an all-in-one solution. Um, yeah, that's still there, certainly for some people, but um, adding on the unique tool that is going to solve my unique business need, um, I think people are more, more and more willing to do that. Let me shift gears a bit and talk about skills. Okay. Um, you know, there's a saying that you can build skills, you can borrow skills, or you can buy skills. Mm-hmm. 
Now, that makes perfect sense. But it seems to me in practice, it's got to be a challenge, especially if you're in a larger company and you mm-hmm. have to balance all of those mm-hmm. options across your workforce. Mm-hmm. What do you think? And what do you think employers are doing? Mm-hmm. Um, I think that there are more employers that are aware of the need to build than there have been in the past. Um, there will always be those who are borrowing, certainly. I, you know, I'm with a consulting firm. We wouldn't exist if people didn't need to borrow skills. Um, that will never go away. And there are some things that somebody's going to need for a special project, what have you. Um, buying skills, uh, there's only so much to go around, depending on what that skill set is. Um, so I think there's a movement and there's more of a momentum towards, uh, you know, and it, it, it kind of happens from different angles because there's the talk of um, internal mobility, right, and taking our, um, our talent that we already have within our organization and deploying them elsewhere or having them uh, go not so much be on a job as be in a role, perhaps, where they're going and they're using their skills and their skill sets in different teams or, or uh, different project areas. And so I think out of that has grown this awareness that we can do that. We can deploy the people we have already in different ways. Mm-hmm. So since we've started doing that, uh, why can't we put some time and effort into allowing people to develop within the organization? And so, you know, I think you see that internally with uh, learning academies that are growing up. And, and I think the pandemic um, strengthened that because things that used to be done in person, right? Oh, let's grow our team of whatever, you know, uh, marketing experts. Whatever. I'm just picking the skill set, right? Um, and there would be, well, let's, let's have a insight training and we'll take people through this, this course curriculum over the course of 6, 12 months, whatever, and we'll grow our own in t- in-house. The pandemic forced organizations to put that online, made it easier, um, using, you know, uh, using work technology, using HR technology to kind of build, build off that LMS and, and let people... It's finding that balance between letting employees create their own career and what they want to do. And that's a part of it. What am I interested in doing? Where do I want to grow? What do I want to develop? Let me choose my, choose my adventure, choose my courses. That exists, certainly. But there's also now companies realizing we can harness that and promote paths. Um, they have to tie that together, though, with a rethinking of how they view compensation, perhaps how they view titles in the organization, um, because it's folks not necessarily, you know, the, to use the old cliche, right, the lattice. Um, and that becomes part of the skills conversation. I may be developing skills that in the old hierarchy um, kind of didn't make sense. Where's the manager and what's their role in all of this? I, you know, I think there's, I think there are two, 
two distinct managers in this sort of scenario. There's there's the people manager who's the coach, you know, who's the uh, the career coach, who's the develop the, the the development driver for that employee. Um, and then there's the you know uh, project leader or the the team lead if somebody's growing their skills and they're going in and working on on something new that they're learning and discovering. So there may be a, a how to do the job manager, which can be different than the career coach manager. Um, you know, so thinking in a, in a hierarchy or in an organization, that job manager might be the, okay, I'm tracking your, you know, day-to-day performance or whatever. But that career coach is, is also manager, people manager, is a partner in that. And so there's kind of two managers, potentially, for someone. Well, isn't there a don't bother me with this manager? Those managers exist. Yes, they do. Um, and I think those are the managers that need to exit the organizations. <laughs> <laughs> well, it just seems to me that you always hear about this lever of management or bureaucracy that can bring the highest priority projects yeah. to a halt. Yes. And how do you, I guess, how do you reach those people to convince them learning is important? You know, that, that takes it up to the organizational level, that takes it to the culture, that takes it to um, what the C-suite is talking about and saying and reinforcing. Um, and if an organization determines that they want to be a learning organization and, and people coming in to do their best work um, will be constantly learning and maybe shifting off to a different area than they were originally hired for, that commitment to do that has to come from the highest level and then has to be consistent. And then those managers that don't support that need to not be with that organization, perhaps. Um, you know, you think of the, the classic example um, where we see employees being held back because their manager doesn't want to release them to another role. Right. And that's not even talking skills. That's just talking I want to do an internal transfer or promotion or something. And so I always kind of get a little twinge when I run, in, run into it where an organization has this requirement that the existing manager, you know, quote, approve and sign off. And sometimes that existing manager doesn't want to do that. Or, you know, because they're giving up, uh, oh, well, I hired them and trained them and developed them and I'm going to lose my investment in them. Um, and it's the same with organizations that have policies, which I despise, of... Um, you're not, you know, you must be in a given role for 12 months, 18 months, whatever, before you can even apply for something else. If you're really a learning organization, you want what's best for the organization, your goal is to hire the right people. Get them in there. Get them equipped um, and in that mindset that they can take their career anywhere within the company, and then you allow them to do that. And so if somebody's skills are better suited to another role that has just opened up, 
but they've only been there 90 days, let them go to that role. It's better for the organization in the long run um, and obviously speaks to the satisfaction for that employee. Right. Shifting gears again. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, I want to look, look forward. There's a you know, couple hundred exhibitors here. Mm-hmm. Um, they're speaking, they're displaying, they're exhibiting. Are any of them, or did any of them strike you as particularly interesting? Um, I have, um, I have not dove into deep, deep under the hood with any of them. Um, no one has jumped out at me yet. Um, but I'm not done getting through this vast <laughs> expo hall either. Um, I, I've kind of done my cursory move around and haven't, I haven't dove enough into any, mm-hmm. anything yet. What, what's the great new idea or product that you're looking for? Mm. Um, one product that I did, I, I did a quick glance at it and, and um, the person in the booth showed me a, a demo of it, uh, you know, real high level of how it works. Um, is something that is working to solve this is a, this is a real issue right so this is what i like what what problem are you trying to solve they they've thought this through and that is a um basically a data repository as well as a visualization and then the reporting on it and then a, a tool for the employees that supports um companies with a hybrid workforce so if they have a shared Workspace, right? But oh, maybe I come into the office once a week, or I'm a new employee and I really remote. But oh my gosh, I'm here two months and I'm going to the office in you know San Diego for the first time. Um, it, it this this tool is is onboarding new hires. It's tracking the information behind the scenes. But then when I'm a new employee and I'm going to that office, I can pull up floor pan. I can, I can visualize what desk I'm going to sit at. Um, there's a map. There's, there's maps built in so when I show up periodically um, I can reserve a conference room or reserve a desk if I'm kind of doing a hot desk sort of thing. I can see at a glance who else is going to be in the office that day if anybody else is there that I want to meet that I've maybe only done Zoom calls with. Um, so it was, it was really kind of an interesting um, look at a concern that employers have right now because the back end it's spitting out usage statistics. So the business right. can use it to determine do we really need that office space or how many people really are in the office on a given day. So it was, it was kind of neat. I mean, it's a, it's a problem of the time. And so they've, they've built something to help take a look at that. It seems like the vendors did a pretty good job of pivoting in 2020 or 2019 yes. when COVID really hit. Yeah. Um, and now we're talking about hybrid work instead of, you know, going back to the office and, you know, did COVID fundamentally change any aspect of HR technology? Well, it certainly made people who um, were uh, 
government agencies, for example, that weren't in the cloud go to the cloud finally, <laughs> I guess. Um, you know, I think HR technology, for the most part, was the solutions were there to meet the needs that arose uh, when COVID hit, um, which is what allowed leaders and organizations and HR professionals to successfully just change fundamentally how they worked. The tools and the work technology were out there. Um, it drove it drove adoption of some of the things that already existed. Um, so I think that was probably the big... It wasn't a change necessarily, I don't think, in what solutions were being offered. Um, but they were finally being used. And so they were tweaked and iterated and, and built on even more. But, you know, you think about, um, you know, pre-pandemic, yes, video interviewing existed forever. You know, it seems like right before then. But there was, oh, my gosh, we can never do video interviews. Oh, my heavens, no, everybody needs to come in in person. Um, now the thought of flying somebody in for an interview or you know, even scheduling something in person is like the secondary thought. Now. Right. Um, and, and so again, that technology, those solutions existed to do that. And at the end of the day, the vendors rose to the occasion of, Hey, yeah, we can do that. We can help you solve this uh, now that, you know, we're in lockdown, our version of lockdown in the U S which really wasn't lockdown. <laughs> Robin, thanks for taking time and talking to me. Thank you. It was fun. You've been listening to People Tech of the HCM Technology Report. This HR Tech series is graciously brought to you by our partners at Fuel50. For all other HR, sourcing, and recruiting news, check out HCMTechnologyReport.com. Do you love news about LinkedIn, Indeed, Google, and just about every other recruitment tech company out there? Hell yeah. I'm Chad. I'm Cheese. We're the Chad and Cheese Podcast. All the latest recruiting news and insights are on our show. Dripping in snark and attitude. Subscribe today wherever you listen to your podcasts. We We out. The world's best known investor and Wall Street expert Warren Buffett once said, Wall Street is the only place that people ride to in a Rolls Royce to get advice from those who take the subway. Mr. Buffett's quote is remarkably accurate, but how many people would rather receive advice from him than someone simply guessing? Welcome to Buy, Hold, Sell, your single source for Wall Street knowledge and profitable guidance. Please join me, Todd Schoenberger, and fellow trader Tobin Smith, as well as host Veronica Dudo, for a podcast known to move the needle for investors. Tobin and I are seasoned Wall Street executives with deep investment experience, and we are prepared to share our advice to those who choose to listen. Download Buy, Hold, Sell today on the Evergreen Podcast Network or your favorite podcast channel.